Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Once again, the Bays team is the best team, the Golden State Warriors. What is up, Dub Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Strength and Numbers. I'm Brandon Cadiz. It is good to be back talking Warriors basketball, the start of the regular season for the Golden State Warriors come in tonight as they get ready to square off against the Miami Heat at Chase Center. Warriors at 2-2. Two and two. Plenty to talk about this episode as the Warriors become the most valuable franchise in the NBA currently. We'll talk about the purchase from Joe Lacob, Peter Guber, and company and what has led to the Warriors being worth over $7 billion right now. Well, the elephant in the room as well. Through the first four games of this Warriors season has been the defense. The Warriors allowing 70 plus points in the last three contests. We'll dive into that as well as Draymond Green's comments on how awful the defense has been as well as Andrew Wiggins' goal to become one of the best Golden State Warriors players ever. All of that on this episode of Strength in Numbers. Make sure you follow this podcast on Twitter at dubs underscore strength. You can follow me, your host for Strength and Numbers, Brandon Cadiz, on Twitter at B-C-A-D-I-Z-0. Again, that's B-Cadiz-0. The Warriors continue to be atop of many rankings in the NBA, but this one, in terms of franchise value, really shows how the Warriors have developed over the years. In a recent article released today by Forbes magazine, they have estimated the Golden State Warriors to be worth $7 billion. That is the most for an NBA franchise for the first time ever in the franchise's history. The Warriors are number one for the most valuable franchises in the NBA. Behind them at the second spot is the New York Knicks at $6.1 billion dollars. The Los Angeles Lakers at 5.9 and the Chicago Bulls at 4.1. Last year, the Lakers and Knicks took the number one spot. And following now this season, the Golden State Warriors have seen a 25% increase in value compared to last season. That is tied for the fifth largest in the league. Looking at some numbers here, the Phoenix Suns had a 50% increase, the Wizards at 30%, the Heat at 30%, and closing it out, the Philadelphia 76ers at 29%. Now, we throw this back to 2010. We remember the video. It was Chris Mullen jersey retirement night, retiring the number 17 for the Warriors. And we saw firsthand when Joe Lacob and Peter Guber first purchased the Golden State Warriors at $450 million. And what happened that night was eventful in Golden State Warriors history. We'll, we'll play the sound here and see how the fans reacted to Joe Lacob speaking that night. But before we get to that sound, we have to pay some bills and talk about our sponsors at Bet Online. 
Basketball is back and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, whether that's the NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag and make sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. So let's play that sound now. Joe Lacob trying to speak at Chris Mullen's jersey retirement night. Fans don't like it, and Chris Mullen has to step in from saving Joe Lacob from those boos. And when you speak of Warriors history, there's no one. Sometimes change is inevitable and it's going to work out just fine. With your support and patience and use that passion in the right direction. This thing is going in the right way. I've got great comments in Joe, Mark Jackson, and everything will work out just fine. Just a little bit. So right there, you hear the boos as Joe Lacob comes out, tries to recognize Chris Mullen. He has to stop. He chuckles a little bit. Joe Lacob does as Chris Mullen comes out, gets his microphone to him, and Chris Mullen starts preaching, talking about how he supports Joe Lacob and that everything will be fine. Well, I wish everyone of Dub Nation could have been like Chris Mullen a couple years ago. That entire moment changed the Warriors franchise. A lot of those boos came because it was almost directly, I don't remember the exact date, but the trade happened where the Warriors shipped off Monte Ellis to the Milwaukee Bucks so the Warriors could get Andrew Bogut. I myself, growing up as a young kid, when that move was made, everyone was devastated that Monte left. Andrew Bogut, we didn't see how that would have fit the picture there for the Golden State Warriors, but it eventually did. We know what happened. Andrew Bogut Bogut, a key factor in that 2015 finals run, getting the first championship for the Golden State Warriors and the start of this dynastic run so far. Again, the Warriors purchased at $450 million back in 2010. Fast forward 12 years later, 2022, and they are worth $7 billion. And I mean, no one could have thought that the Warriors were going to be this good in terms of putting a product out on the court, but in terms of the business side and generating all this money, leaving Oakland, moving across the Bay, go, going over the Bay Bridge, starting a new legacy there in San Francisco and at the Chase Center to be able to recoup everything from the pandemic and put out an amazing product 
for the fans and they re-up, right? We remember what happened. The Warriors, what I want to credit here for Joe Lacob and Peter Guber and their entire organization, even with Bob Myers there as the GM, is that the Warriors always compete even when they have a down season. It was a great, fun atmosphere when the Warriors missed the play-in tournament and they were bounced by the Memphis Grizzlies. When Steph Curry came back for that second half, it was entertaining basketball to watch. Even during the pandemic season, right, the Kelly Oubre trade that didn't work out, the D'Angelo Russell trade that didn't work out, the Warriors organization makes moves to compete. And by doing so, you have assets to flip and generate. And we've talked about this constantly. Everyone has the move that generated Andrew Wiggins and his impact with this Warriors squad. Little moves help make big moves down the line. And this all started with the Monte Ellis Andrew Bogut move that everybody questioned. And fast forward to the D'Angelo Russell move. And a lot of fans questioning that move to bring in the third guard there that couldn't play defense. And another questionable move of Andrew Wiggins coming to the Golden State Warriors being traded by Cleveland and then Minnesota that he was a bust, a number one pick that was going to be a bust. A lot of these questionable moves from the Golden State Warriors have played out to be great. And it all started with a questionable move. And it ends with the questionable move of Andrew Wiggins now getting the bag and securing a contract in which he takes a pay cut. The Warriors draft and dra draft talent, even throwing it back to the days of Patrick McCaw and his impact. The Warriors are just great as an organization and being able to build and increase their value now to $7 billion. That's all I have on that topic. Breaking news, if you haven't heard, that was a rant that the Warriors are great. And a lot of fans should be thankful for Joe Lacob, Peter Goober, Bob Myers, and company. If Warriors fans could take it back 10 years ago, or 12 years ago to that night down in Oracle in Oakland, I bet you a lot of those fans would take it back and apologize to Joe Lacob. We have to talk about Andrew Wiggins' part of that questionable move. We mentioned a couple of seconds ago and Andrew Wiggins sat down with Mark Medina from the NBA to talk about his goals with the Golden State Warriors and how he wants his legacy to be once it all ends. Andrew Wiggins documented that he wanted to be one of these Golden State Warriors greats when it comes and says to be done here with the Golden State Warriors and and I quote, this is what Wiggins said. Those are Warriors legends and Bay legends in reference to Curry, Thompson, Green, and Iguodala. Hopefully by the time I'm done, people will look at me like that. I just have to keep putting in the work and accomplish what they have accomplished. And end quote. Andrew Wiggins now a gleaming, a bright smile every time he makes a highlight play with the Warriors. You compare that to when he was in Minnesota. And even if you want to compare it there to when he was first drafted to the Cleveland Cavaliers, this is the biggest we have ever seen Andrew Wiggins smile. And granted, maybe it's because of the $109 million contract extension over the summer. His performance last season in NBA All-Star experience, a rejuvenation sensation in his career. 
Shout out Willard and Dibs if you know what I'm talking about, you Bay Area sports radio listeners. But I, I, I regress from that, and I just want to say Andrew Wiggins had some great goals in this article. If you haven't read it, I suggest you go out there and read this article from Mark Medina from the NBA, sat down again with Andrew Wiggins one-on-one. And what I found great here is that Clay Thompson trusts him to be a defender uh, to help out with that. We know Clay Thompson's defense has been suspect so far throughout this season, at least uh, when he's moving laterally, you know, we talk about what happened in the playoffs last season. You put him on bigger, slower guys, a slower four, and a big like Al Horford, and he 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 can he can still defend. Not just not as quick moving laterally on the defensive end from Clay Thompson. We'll get into that a little bit later. But we remember the joking around that happened with Draymond and Steph in the locker room after his rebounding performances, taking on the Grizzlies and the Boston Celtics in the finals and playoffs, respectively, last season. 7.5 rebounds for Andrew Wiggins in last year's playoffs and how Steve Kerr expects him to help out on that rebounding end this season. Now, Andrew Wiggins um, has been a huge factor there, obviously, in the playoffs. For him to bring that rebounding, especially now uh, with James Wiseman having a couple suspect rebounding uh, plays there in that Phoenix game, there was a thread going on Twitter. Ball bounced off of his foot after he secured the rebound, just missed it by a couple inches on the rebound. He has that tenacity James Wiseman does. He does have that aggressiveness, sometimes over-aggressive. He'll have to get that timing down for him to secure those 50-50 balls. And I think learning beside Andrew Wiggins himself and Kevon Looney will help him out with that. Now, also what was great in this article is that Andrew Wiggins said there was a lot of talks between him and his team, they went back and forth a lot before they were able to get down to a contract extension that he was happy with. And of course, when Jordan Poole and him said that they're both going to get a bag, that was a pretty cool moment. And Andrew Wiggins was asked about that. And this is what Wiggins said. He said, I remember it all. It was a really, really good memory. We were both excited after the game. We both played well. We hoped and knew they would offer us something good. And they did. We manifested it and it came true. Andrew Wiggins at the happiest point of his life. So happy for the kid and his ability to bet on himself. Trust the process here with the Warriors as many players have. Many players come to the Warriors to chase that ring to rejuvenate their careers. And Andrew Wiggins traded here has been great for not only himself, but for the Warriors organization. Let's dive into the start for the Golden State Warriors so far, a 2-2 two and two start. Now, I point that out as a win-loss, win-loss in their first four games. Now, why do I mention this? Well, Dalton Johnson tweeted out from NBC Sports Bay Area that this is the first time the Warriors have started in the Steve Kerr era with a win-loss, win-loss The last time the Warriors did that was in 2012 and 2013 season. Draymond Green was a rookie. Klay Thompson was in year two. And Steph Curry was in year number four. Why is this important? A lot of rookies there. Draymond Green was a rookie and Klay was only in year two. 
Well, you flip that and there's a lot of young guys on this on this roster. Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga, all in year two. You remember James Wiseman now, really his first full year and playing great so far on the offensive end. Posting great numbers there. Defense could use a little bit of work, as I've mentioned. Well, it's important to mention this is the first time since that 2012-2013 season where Draymond was a rookie that the Warriors have struggled. And that's that means that the Warriors just lost a lot of those key veterans from last season. Otto Porter Jr., Nemanja Bielitsa, and Gary Payton II were those major losses that we know about. It's going to take a lot more time for the Warriors to build that chemistry, I think, on the defensive end. Especially with Andre Iguodala not integrated into this lineup yet. I'm sure he helps the team defensively at practices, helping the rookies out, telling them different defensive concepts when he notices something. Just those plays that as a veteran, plays that when you're on the court in the NBA, transitioning from the college game to the NBA, that you have to get reps on to just notice it in game situations. And I think when Andre gets himself back on the court, this will help these young guys a lot. When we're talking about Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, a savvy veteran, but the, a lot of the talk so far has been Jonathan Kaminga. How does he fit with this Golden State Warriors team? We've seen him be that bulldozer, that driver so far, making the highlight plays, the raising over the rim, the putback dunks, the alley-oops, but now... In year number two, we need to see that development from Jonathan Kaminga. And especially, a great example of this was the Warriors hype guy over the summer in Summer League was Mac McClung, right? He could score, he could ISO, but how does he help on the defensive end? How does he help into the Warriors ball movement offense? You just can't go ISO all the time. And that's kind of what Jonathan Kaminga is doing. Head down, going to the basket straight up. When he's on the fast break, defenders know to just take a charge. Where we saw a lot of improvement from him was in a couple of games in Summer League down in Las Vegas when he stopped on a dime, made a couple elbow jumpers, and I've talked about it in this podcast during that Summer League time that that's the improvement we needed to see from JK. Stop on a dime, hit the mid-range shot. You don't always have to take a three-pointer on the catch and shoot. They respect your athleticism. Throw that ball out, set a screen, have Clay or someone come off of that screen. You can make plays on the offensive end without necessarily touching the ball every time, without necessarily going up to the basket and trying to score every single time. That is something that the young JK will need to learn, and that has been an issue so far to start off the season. Now, limited minutes for Jonathan Kaminga so far. Steve Kerr has played him for an average of about 11 minutes on the season so far, averaging three points, two rebounds, 36% from the field, uh, from the free throw line, hit four for four so far on the season, but he is a minus 10 and a half so far on the year. So once he's on the court, a little bit of an issue there for Jonathan Kaminga. We'll see some improvement from him there and on the 
on the defensive end as well. And I think they'll have a real good test to play here. We'll see if he cracks more minutes, cracks that 10 to 11 man rotation that Steve Kerr likes to go to so far early on to start the season. But Steve Kerr playing with those different lineups. And he said that early on that he would see a lot of these different lineups, a lot of different combinations. And it's only game five coming in tonight, taking on the Miami Heat at Chase Center tonight. So it's understandable why he's not seeing some time. Maybe he'll see more time later on, but Jonathan Kaminga needs to improve on the offensive end and not just be a scorer. How does he fit? We'll have to see. I'm still a believer in Jonathan Kaminga. Now, talking about someone else in James Wiseman. James Wiseman, the rebounding issue continued to be a factor in the loss against the Phoenix Suns. Offensively, he has been amazing off the pick and rolls. A lot of question about using the pick and roll with James Wiseman a lot. Steph Curry was asked that question, and Steph Curry goes, uh, the good old pick and roll question that we have to talk about every single year. Well, if we go pick and roll every single time, we'll see how that goes. But Curry just poking some fun there. But the pick and roll between Jordan Poole and James Wiseman off the bench has been incredible to see. And that's something that could be utilized a lot this season. So far, James Wiseman in the four games he's played averages 17 and a half minutes per game. He has 11.3 points, 5.3 rebounds, one assist, shooting 69% from the field, 60% from the free throw line. It's gotten better on the past two games though, or yeah, in the games in Denver and Sacramento, three for three from the line, four for six, and the Phoenix Suns, two for two. He started off 0 for four, and he mentioned some jitters there against the Los Angeles Lakers to start off the season. He talked with Monty Poole and Kareth Burke in Dubs Talk Live, talking about how he was, he knows that he can hit free throws in practice, that he is perfect there, he is confident, but just some first night opening jitters there with a 60% on the line so far this season. Taking a look at the defensive numbers, 0.8 blocks per game, had two blocks against Phoenix and one block against the Lakers on opening night. Now the foul issues started off there. Uh, the Denver Nuggets game, he had four fouls and Sacramento three fouls. But when you look at that Lakers game on opening night, two fouls in the Phoenix Suns game, one foul. So he's knowing his defensive position on the rebounding end, though, is where the issue was brought up. It's because there was only three rebounds in that Phoenix game. But when you look at it, seven, five, and six, respectively, on the rebounding side for the Lakers, Nuggets, and Sacramento Kings. And I know that's a lot of numbers there that I'm throwing out. But Jonathan, or excuse me, James Wiseman, there was this thread. I forgot who it was on Twitter, but you saw four to five clips. One, James Wiseman gets the rebound, tries to dribble out of it in the corner. It bounces off his leg, goes out of bounds. One where he jumps just 0.1 seconds too early. The ball tips over his hand and goes to the Phoenix Suns. One, a tried put back dunk there by James Wiseman. Misses it. Another rebound where he just misses it on the outstretched hands. He's getting the positioning right. The timing's a little bit off. 
especially when you're taking on these teams with bigs like DeAndre Ayton or when you face a guy like Joel Embiid even. These are going to be the type of games where you really have to be crafty with it. This is where Kevon Looney comes into the factor here to help develop James Wiseman. You know, a little bit of times too on the defensive end, he jumps just a tad bit too early when he tries to time the block and the defender gets a high floater over him and scores or, you know, just misses, alters his shot there a little bit, doesn't necessarily block it. But you love the development and the improvement by James Wiseman so far. All but one game that he has double digit points. I am not playing fantasy basketball this year, but for some reason, if James Wiseman is out there uh, available for a trade opportunity, I think he's a good guy off of your bench when you need to sub a center in and you don't have an elite starting center. James Wiseman is someone to grab. Now for Wiseman, I love what I've seen on offense on the defensive end and the rebounding wise is what we need to see improve from James Wiseman, but I love his talent. I've loved the growth so far. He's gone way since those Santa Cruz rehab games last season that we have discussed on this podcast. 70, 71, and 72. What do those numbers mean exactly? That's the number of first half points that the Warriors have allowed in the past three games. Defense has been an issue. 70 against Denver, 71 against Sacramento, and 72 in the 105 to 134 loss against the Phoenix Suns on Tuesday. And Draymond Green spoke and addressed how the Warriors have been a bad defensive team. Draymond Green said that the commitment to defense is not there and the Warriors have allowed opposing teams so far this season to score 109, 128, 125, and 134. Currently, the Warriors are the 22nd ranked team in defensive rating at 114.8. Now, here's what Draymond Green had to say on the lack of commitment to defense. Uh, it's just not there. The commitment to defense isn't there. Um, and that's, you know, that's something that we have to be better at. Uh, it starts with me. Um, <clears throat> I'll make sure we get there. But right now, uh, we're decent offense and team with a bad um, defense team. I don't know. Expect that to be the case. I know that's something that we can change. We just got to commit to doing. So, yeah, Draymond Green right there said that that's just something that they will have to change over the season. That they're a good offensive team and a bad defensive team. And he believes that's that is not something that will last this entire season. And we sure hope so. I think, again, a lot of the young guys on the court, you had Dante DiVincenzo missing last game. He didn't fly out to Phoenix. He'll be reevaluated when the team's back in the Bay Area, which they are now. No word yet on Dante DiVincenzo's injury and an update to it. But without DiVincenzo, who was the guy that they brought in and you know, could have been the defensive replacement for GP2 is what I said could cover 94 feet if need if needed. We haven't seen the defensive presence of DiVincenzo yet this season, but I think we'll see that as the season continues to roll on. Again, when they integrate back Andre Iguodala, I think that's going to help the bench defense, especially 
look, there is no saying that it's easy to get past these first four games on the defensive end, all over 100 points allowed to the Warriors' opponents. It's only four games in, though. I'm going to be optimistic. The Warriors normally start off slow. We talk about Klay Thompson's struggles, too, early on, talking about, you know, that little mental block that he has had the explosion last game that got him the double t and finally ejected when he and devin booker went at it and look clay has struggled he is frustrated devin booker was talking his talk and clay thompson wanted to defend himself going out with the four ring salute telling him that the warriors have four rings and that's all true i think the warriors are frustrated as a team right now their offense is good. It could be great still. Their defense has been bad. A lot of these frustrations are coming out and a lot of talk there about the chemistry issues. You know, of course, what happened with Jordan Poole and Draymond Green. And now there's this whole rumor coming up saying that there's a little bit of friction there in the locker room was one of the reports by Anthony Slater and that the Warriors are really operating here on two timelines and it's really showing now with how they've struggled early on on the court on the defensive side with these young rookies last season you hit it with Otto Porter Jr. Gary Payton II and Nemanja Bjelica you did not have to play the rookies but this season you have to play them with those guys gone DiVincenzo is injured Andre Iguodala hasn't come back yet and Jamichael Green is the only guy you signed over in the offseason that has seen that time. So you'll have to play guys as we saw last night or a couple nights ago against the Phoenix Suns in Ty Jerome. You'll have to play Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, and James Wiseman. A lot of young guys there. Even sometimes Patrick Baldwin Jr. we have seen. But now the issue is how do you show and compete? like you did last season while still being while still being able to develop the young guys. It is harder this season. You'll have to play the young guys more. Those two paths look difficult so far in these first four games, but it's only four games. No need to panic. I'm not going to be like some other passionate Warriors fans all over Warriors Twitter panicking after this four-game start. Look, Portland Trailblazers are the number one team in the Western Conference at 4-0. We remember last season, what was it? The Utah Jazz were the number one team at 7-0, 8-0, and they fell down very quickly. Look, it's only four games in. There is plenty of NBA season to be played. I am not panicking. I think tonight is going to be a good test for the Warriors to be sharp and polished when you're taking on a young or excuse me, a team, a veteran team like the Miami Heat with Eric Spolstra, Pat Riley, of course, Tyler Hero getting his bag and Jordan Poole getting his bag. That's going to be a matchup I'm going to lock my eyes on tonight. Jordan Poole versus Tyler Hero. There's a talk of, of course, who is the better sixth man last season, Poole or Hero, and them both getting similar contracts this offseason. I feel like that's going to be a big storyline tonight. I want to see them match up against each other not only guarding each other 
But on the offensive end, we should uh, we should see them shooting some threes, blazing it, jacking it up. And, you know, Jordan Poole was on a hot streak there against the Phoenix Suns. Man, he scored, what was it? I remember he went on the streak of nine straight points for the, for the Warriors. Could have been more than that. Jordan Poole was blazing in Phoenix. You know, struggled a little bit against the Denver Nuggets, but was able to find his groove again. Jordan Poole, an easy lock-in pick for sixth man of the year. And hey, in November, I'm actually making a trip out to Vegas. And that is definitely one of the bets I am placing is for Jordan Poole for sixth man of the year. Well, that is all the time we have for this episode of Strength in Numbers. Thank you for tuning in every single week. Our first episode here of the young Golden State Warriors season where they stand at 2-2 entering tonight, squaring off against the Miami Heat at Chase Center. I appreciate you guys listening in. And if you're driving into Chase Center, listening to this episode, maybe you're watching the game at home, sitting back, listening to this podcast. We truly appreciate you guys. Make sure to hit follow on Twitter at dubs underscore strength. That is D-U-B-S underscore strength to stay up to date on whenever a new strength and numbers episode drops you can follow me your host of strength and numbers brandon cadiz on twitter at b cadiz zero that is b c a d i z zero thanks for listening to this week's episode of strength and numbers and until next week go dubs this show is presented by bet online Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.